This morning, I want to ask you, start with a little self-evaluation. It's always good to do that. A little self-evaluation. And I want you to consider how you'd answer a couple of questions. Do you ever feel guilty when you relax? Do you feel like you've got ants in your pants? You can't sit still, you've got to be doing something. You ever feel like that? Or are you often feeling dissatisfied or discontented about the situation you find yourself in? Right now, God knows it, but you often find yourself dissatisfied. Here's another way of looking at that. Do you often use the phrases, I must or I should or I should be able to? One more round out. Do you, or does your relationship with God sometimes feel, feel, notice I say, more of a burden sometimes than a blessing? The blessing that it was meant to be. Because if you answer yes to a few of those questions, you, my friend, are probably afflicted with perfectionism. Perfectionism is trying to prove my worth by being perfect. Happens like this. When you first become a Christian, you start, you catch a glimpse of what the grace of God is all about. And that is some amazing, beautiful glimpse that you catch. You take all of your sin and you give it to God. And in return, He gives you heaven and forgiveness and a purpose and power for today. I like that. What's mind-blowing is it's free. I don't do my way into heaven. I don't work my way. It's just a free gift and I start enjoying it when I first become a Christian. But as time goes by, you think, man, this is so good. My whole outlook has changed. It is so good every day to wake up to that freshness of His grace. His mercies are new every morning. Then pretty soon, we start to think a bit different. And we start to think things like, well, you know, this is so good. I really ought to help God out a little bit here. Surely He expects something out of me to gain His smile and His approval in my life. And so the consequence of that is we fall into two fatal traps, two fatal enemies of grace. One of them is legalism. All Christians need to be on the watch out for legalism. Trying to earn God's approval through a whole bunch of rules and formulas. And the second trap and the enemy of grace is perfectionism. And that is trying to prove my worth to God by being perfect. Now there's an entire book of the Bible, one of my favourites actually, which is written to combat these two enemies 
What book do you think that would be? Hint. It's the theme verse for this message, the theme book. Galatians. Galatians. It starts here, the very first verse in your outline, Galatians 3.3. It says, you began. So you started off this, this journey of grace. You began the race and the of grace. You began in grace. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Not by the law, the letter of the law. Now, he says, you started off well. But now, something's happened. You are trying to make it complete by your own power. Then he says something quite blunt. That's foolish. Stupid in our vernacular. It's stupid. You got the wrong end of the stick. Today, I want us to look at the liberating grace because one of my favourite life verses is 2 Corinthians, I think it's 3.17. It says, Now the, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Freedom all that tut, all that rules and regulations and rubbish. So today I want to look at God's liberating grace and how to break out of this thing that you and you and me know all about. This thing called a performance trap because at work, we're on the performance. We don't perform, we're out of a job. I know what that feels like to wake up every Monday or every new month and try and find $33 million worth of sales. Start with zero. Doesn't matter how well you did last month, today's a new month. And it's a tough one. And if I don't perform, my whole team, company, mortgages, profits of all the people are under threat. There's performance. Now the world measures our acceptance. And by the way, if I do well, man, everybody loves me. If I don't, boy, what about that guy Buckley? Has he still got it? Yeah. You don't live long in sales. You don't perform. So the world has this culture of performance orientation. But today, if you understand what we're talking about, the liberating grace of God, you will find a new level of joy in your life again. A new level of joy. And some of you are crying out for joy. You'll find a new level of freedom that you probably never experienced before, apart from maybe when you first became a believer. So today, I want us to look at how to relax in God's grace. Many of you are far too uptight. But before we do, I want to mention clearly what perfectionism and that performance mentality can do to us. It can be very destructive. It can be very detrimental to your spiritual life. Firstly, perfectionism can defeat my initiative. Have you ever had a project that you knew you should do and you knew you wanted to do? It's a good thing, it's the right thing to do. And you thought, well, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm going to get around to it. But you never started it. Anybody ever had one of those projects? Okay. One possible reason for that, I just want to put there, is perfectionism. Because perfectionism causes procrastination. You may want to write that somewhere at the side. Perfectionism causes procrastination. Never confuse progress with perfection. If you go in the right direction, it's a good thing. So 
Another thing perfectionism causes, we used to call it in, in management, analysis paralysis. Well, I'll analyse some more just to make sure that all of my facts, all of all, and it's a good thing to get the facts, don't get me wrong. But sometimes we can torture that to the nth degree that we don't do anything. It paralyzes us and we don't get anything done. And the Bible says that clearly. This is a great scripture for you in your job and in your home and in your life. You may want to really focus on this one. Ecclesiastes 11.4, it says, if you wait. Some people are waiting all their lives and they never get anything done. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. And that is one of the reasons. Notice the word perfect again in there. We sung about the only perfection in our life today, and that's special. Secondly, perfectionism, it damages my relationships. Be careful of this one. Let me ask you, how do you feel around a person who's constantly picking on you, constantly correcting you? Constantly. I don't mean every now and again. I mean constantly. Well, I figure that nobody really here likes being around and being corrected all the time, being perfected by somebody else all of the time, straightening them out all of the time. I don't know about you, but I find it a tad frustrating and a tad irritating. Do you? Yeah. The Bible even gets along that line in Proverbs 17, 9 there from the Living Bible. It says, love forgets mistakes, nagging about them parts the best of friends. It damages relationships. Perfectionism has a desire to always be correct. And it can damage relationships. Last time I checked, God said, love me, but love your neighbour. Hard to love your neighbour if you're demanding they're always perfect and realise that you're not perfect, so why are you demanding they are? Perfectionists who are harsh and demanding on other people are really often very much harsh and demanding on themselves as well. The thing perfectionism does is it destroys my happiness. Now this is an unusual verse. Ecclesiastes 7.16 says, Do not be excessively righteous. The Amplified put it in the way I'm going here. It says, Do not be morbidly exacting. <laughs> I love that. Anybody come across somebody who is morbidly exacting? <laughs> that, that's in the Amplified. And do not be overly wise, you reason. Why should you ruin yourself? Now that verse doesn't even say it should be in the Bible. But he's actually talking, not talking about genuine righteousness or genuine wisdom. He's talking about the nth degree perfectionist and the nth degree fact checker. Now where'd you get that from? And where did that come from? And where did that come from? You can't even remember what you're talking about by the time you've finished justifying all your facts. Yeah. He says, why ruin yourself? And I love God's words translation. He says, why make yourself miserable with all that? Now, in your mind, you have this ideal self. By the way, that's, if you want to know what that is, look at your last job application. That's your ideal self. <laughs> it's the very best polished up version of you. Some people also have that ideal self on Facebook. But that's not the real you. That's the ideal you. It's what I show up, what I, and you young ones, it's what shows up on the first date. That's the ideal you. But there's always a gap between the ideal and the real. Between what you want to be and what you are. And if you're typical, you're your own worst critic. And since we tend to dislike 
and resent people who nag on us in the same way perfectionism can cause you to dislike yourself, to put yourself down and constantly, why did I do that? That, that tape goes around. There's self-criticism that goes around in your head to demean yourself. And you have this constant conversation that's pulling yourself down from within. Now, what's the antidote to that kind of perfectionism? Because we all have it to one degree or another. Some have ex- excessive cases of it. Now, it's not found in any therapy or any pill, and it certainly isn't found listening to Dr. Phil or Leighton Smith or anybody like that. There's only one antidote that the Scriptures talk about to perfectionism. And that is to experience the grace of God. Learning to relax in the grace of God. How do you relax in the grace of God? Well, I've got you a nice little acrostic to help you. Relax, R-E-L-A-X. The first thing is realise nobody is perfect. Nobody. The Bible says that clearly. Psalm 119 verse 96, nothing is perfect except for God's Word. There you go. That's why you need to build your life on God's Word because nothing else is perfect. Nothing else is complete. Nothing's accurate. What society tells you is not perfect. It isn't. What popular opinion tells you is not perfect. But God's Word is perfect. So build your life on His foundation, which is the Word. Then you'll have a stable and strong foundation. Now this verse would be a great verse to put on your refrigerator. Especially if you're married to a perfectionist. I'll give you permission to cut that out and put it up there. Nothing is perfect except God's Word. That'll keep them a little more humble. And then, and if, you, and if that's not getting through after week, halfway through the week, you can add the second verse, which is, there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. It'll be another good one to put up there just to push the point a bit, you know. Ecclesiastes 7.20. That verse is, I'm imperfect. There's a lot of things in my life that are not okay and there's a lot of things in your life that are not okay. You're imperfect too. But when you accept God's grace, He says, that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. Did you hear that? You do not have to be perfect. Does that mean that God isn't interested in my growth? Of course not. Of course He wants you to grow. Does it mean that I don't have to repent? No, of course you need to repent. Does it mean that God doesn't want me to make changes and work on areas? No, of course He wants to make changes in this area as well, by the way. So when God says you're okay because of my grace, that doesn't mean you can keep being a jerk the rest of your life. It just means that God isn't wanting you to change in order for Him to love you. Big difference. He doesn't wait for you to be perfect until He'll love you. E, enjoy. I need to enjoy God's unconditional love. Enjoy. See, 1 John 3, 1 says, see how very much our Heavenly Father loves us. For he allows us to be called his children. Now think of it. And we really are. Circle the word children there. When you become a believer, you're not just a servant of God, you're a child of God. A lot of people think, well, I'll give my life to Jesus Christ and the rest of my life I'm going to serve him. Sure you are. 
but you are more than a servant. You are now a child of the king. You're part of the royal family. And here's the difference, big difference. A servant is accepted and appreciated on the basis of what he does. A child, on the other hand, is accepted and appreciated on the basis of who he is. Big difference. A servant starts of the day a little anxious and worried because he's got a bunch of tasks to get done that will, work, that will please his master. A child, on the other hand, rests secure in the love of his family. A servant is accepted because of his fine workmanship. But a child is accepted because of his relationship. A servant is accepted because of his productivity and his performance. If you produce and you perform, tick, 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 you're a good servant. A child is accepted because of his position in his family. Now at the end of the day, let's go, we've been through the day, let's go to the end of the day. At the end of the day, a servant has peace of mind only if he's proven his worth by his work. Trouble is next morning, the anxiety starts again. A child can um, rest secure all day because knowing that tomorrow won't change his status. It won't change. When a servant fails, his whole position is at stake. In fact, he might even lose his job. But when a child fails, he's grieved because he's hurt his parents. Sure, he may be corrected and disciplined, but he's not afraid of being thrown out of the family. His confidence is in belonging and being loved is not based on his performance, but on the stability and the position as a child of God. Now God says, I want you to enjoy the unconditional love of God and become part, once you become part of his family. Now those of you who are parents, this is a very easy question. Are your kids perfect? No way, right? Of course not. But do you still love them in spite of their imperfections? Yes. When your two-year-old or three-year-old brings you a picture of a cow that she's just drawn, and you say, wow, honey, that's perfect. Now what you're really saying there is that's perfect for your stage of maturity and that's awesome. You're not saying that that's a Picasso, right? It's perfect for where you're at. Here's another question. Do you love your children at every stage of their growth? Even the teenage ones. Or are you waiting till they are mature first? Once they reach maturity, you're thinking, well, now I love you because you're doing things the way I want. Some of you think that God is waiting for you to grow up before he'll ever smile on you. Before he's ever gonna say, you're okay and I like you. No, God loves you at every stage of your growth because his love is unconditional. Here's my point. I don't have to be perfect for God to love me, for him to accept me. Jesus was perfect for me so that I can have God's acceptance and love and be adopted into his family. He understands you completely. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. Look at this, Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? See, notice God is not just with you, He's for you. And that's the essence of the doctrine of grace. 
Grace can be summed up in four words. God is for you. That's why He sent His Son. God is not sitting up there in heaven looking down, well, what can I punish next in their life? If you have received God's grace and you become part of God's family, God is for you. If on the other hand, you are sitting there thumbing your nose at God and saying, nah, God, I'm gonna be my own God. I'm gonna rely on my own good works, my own perfection, my own righteousness to get me into heaven. I don't need your son, Jesus. And of course, God is not for those untruths and life will be hard for you. But when you come in sincerity and humility and honesty and you say, I admit I'm imperfect, that to me is an absolute no-brainer. I don't stand a chance of getting into a perfect heaven except through you. Please show me your grace. Then God is for you. Because God is opposed to the proud, but He shows grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. And that's a hard thing for some people to accept because they've been so programmed and so trained and so conditioned to receiving conditional love. If you do this, then I'll do that. You need to come to the grace of God and understand that He is for you. So what's the evidence that God is for you? Well, just earlier on in the same chapter, I won't go to the whole shamoli, but earlier in the chapter, Paul says, what shall we say then to this fact? Well, There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That shows that He's for you. That's Romans 8, 1. Then He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's Romans 8, 26. That shows He's for us. He's there to help. And then in all things, God works together for good for those who love Him and are called according to purpose. And that's from Romans 8, what's the verse? 28. Romans 8, 28. Important verse to anchor in your Christian life and get your head around that and your heart. His love is unconditional and you don't have to measure up because Christ has measured up for you. That's the point of grace. R-E-L, let God handle things. This is very important because at the root of perfectionism is the desire to be in control all the time. You think that if you can just control things well, then they'll be perfect. If I can can just control my spouse, then we'll have a perfect marriage. If I can get her to see things my way. If I can control my kids, then they'll never get in trouble and always be safe. Yeah, right. If I can control my career, my, my career path, then I'll always be assured and secure. <laughs> if I control the people around me, well, the world will be a better place. And we've talked about this many times before. There are many things that will come into your life and in mine that are out of your control and out of my control. So what do you do when you can't control the uncontrollable things that just seem to pop on in to your life and mine? Well, 1 Peter 5, 7 is another fundamental verse which I highly commend that you memorise because you all need this. I certainly need it hundreds of times in my life. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all of your care on Him. Cast, cast. You know what casting is? Cast all your care, uh, anxiety on him for he cares for you. The essence of casting is to give it over. 
is yours. Cast it. To overcome perfectionism, you have to let go and let God handle the things of your life. Now, is there anybody in this room that would prefer to live a long time rather than a short time? Can I see hands if it's you? Seriously, okay. If you do, this is God's very clear word to you. And some of you, it's gonna hit you like, here it is, Proverbs 14.30. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Chill out. Love yourself a bit more. Give yourself a hug even now and again. You're okay. A relaxed attitude. You don't have to be perfect. Things don't have to be perfect for me to enjoy them. If you're waiting for that, friend, you're going to be waiting a long time. The that happens. Let me put it another way. There is no such thing as a perfect marriage. Can I hear an amen? Did you hear that? Young people, did you hear that? Set the expectation. Go on, Ezekiel, you got that. Here we go. You see, the reason is, and it's very simple, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage because you are a sinner, Desmond, and Adeline married a bigger one. All right. There's no such thing as a perfect job. Put that one to bed. Stress less. The Bible says nothing is perfect apart from God's Word. And if you're waiting for that perfect environment for you to sit back and say, ah, I've made it, I'm going to enjoy life now, it's not going to happen. (laughs) You must learn to enjoy life in the middle of less than perfect circumstances. Otherwise, life will be gone. And you'll wonder why you're miserable and you've lost your joy. See, misery and joy can't coexist. You'll be somewhere in that continuum. And my hope today is as you appreciate the wonderful grace of Jesus that you started out in the Spirit, trying to perfect yourself in the flesh, you've gotten yourself in a knot. You need to be undone by the Spirit and set free again. Cast your care. Some of you have got a bird's nest on your fishing line, you can't cast, it's all stuck. Well, the Spirit can undo that. Paul said it like this. I have learned... You might want to circle that word too, learned. It's not natural. To be content in whatever situation I am. I've learned to be content no matter what state I'm in. Notice he says learned. It is not human nature, friends, to be content. It is something you have to work at, to learn. Now it doesn't help that when we're, we're part of a society that is filled with constant consumerism designed to create discontent. See, if I'm content, I'm not going to buy much. I'm a tough, tough ask to try and sell to because I'm content. I'm not an easy one. If you're content, you're an advertiser's nightmare. So they try to create discontent to get you to move from A to B, i.e. into their shop. You see things on TV and think, my goodness, my life is incomplete unless I have that. <laughs> How did I ever live without that? The Ginzu knives, and there's more. You have to learn scripture, it's not in your outline. Godliness with contentment is of great gain. Now, no, oh, how about just godliness? Paul's smart. He says, godliness 
with contentment is of great gain. God can help you learn to be content in Him. And some of you today know what I mean by that. Some of you know that you don't realise that God is all you need until He's all you've got. Then you realise, I'm not, I'll trade anything, but I'm never giving Him up. He's a pearl of great price. A, R-E-L-A. Act in faith, friends, not in fear. Remember, going back to the beginning, how you got into the family of God in the first place. In Ephesians 2, it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Now, that is the only way you're ever going to get saved, by grace. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be perfect enough. The way you became a Christian is the way you need to continue in the same thread, in the same vein. Look at this, Colossians 2.6. So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, in other words, the same way, continue to live in Him. So he's saying, as you started out, so you must continue in your Christian walk. So then just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him. You are not saved by grace and then live out the rest of your life in works. Oh, you will have works, but that's not the motivation. See, a lot of people think that I'm saved by God's free gift. Now I really have to work hard as a Christian to keep God's approval in my life. No, you don't. How were you saved? You were saved by promising to be perfect. No, no. How do you live as a Christian? By promising to be perfect? No, it's by grace through faith. Understanding this truth is a good start, but it doesn't guarantee you'll live by it. Because here's the question. Is this a concept in your mind or is this a reality you live out? There's a big difference between a concept and a reality. Some of you have been living in a a prison of perfectionism for a long, long time, but today is your day of pardon. Today the jail door is going to be unlocked and you can get out free and be set free. You are going to be told from God's Word that you can walk out a free person. You don't have to live in that prison of perfectionism anymore because... Grace is available. And the only way I'm able to walk out of that prison door is to have faith and not fear. Trust in God's grace. You can live in a self-imposed prison or perfection, uh, of perfectionism or you can take these five steps and find liberation and freedom. Finally, exchange my perfectionism for God's peace. And this is really important because perfectionism destroys peace. You're going to have to live with one or the other. Perfectionism or peace. And here's the offer that Jesus Christ makes to you today. Matthew 11 says, Jesus is speaking. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out? On religion. Now, what they were talking about is the rules and regulations and junk 
that you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to, to gain God's acceptance. He says, come to me. Get away with me. Get away from all that stuff and you'll recover your life. And I will show you how to take a real rest. I love this part. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What an outstanding statement. The Pharisees had placed so many rules and regulations on people that their religion back then, had, without the Spirit, had become like forced labour. That's how it had become, draining them. A life of devotion to the law had become a burden to carry. So Jesus invited the little ones, the true disciples, to come to him to find relief from those labours. And Jesus' gracious offer is extended to all. No one is admitted. All we must do is acknowledge our need and come to him. See, Jesus frees people from those burdens. Free, set free. And the rest that Jesus gives is eternal. And it brings an abiding sense of love, which is always with you. A sense of healing from the hurts and the frustrations and the disappointments of this life and a peace with God. Not the cessation of work, effort, worship or service. If B. Meyer said this, I found this two weeks ago. And he says this, Ah, downcast soul, who art writing hard things of thyself? It may be that thy merciful Lord is viewing thy life more accurately and estimating it more lovingly than thou knowest. In life, you're going to fail at a lot of things, and so am I. You're going to fail at responsibilities that you've been given. You're going to fail to live up to the expectations of others that they place upon you. You're going to let people down. You know what? You and I fail at our own expectations. Think about those New Year's resolutions. Of course, you're going to fail up to measuring up to God's standards of perfection because the Bible says all. It's a big word, all. Very encompassing, all. Have sinned and fallen short. But you don't have to worry about that if you have received God's grace. In fact, there's only one failure you need ever to be concerned about. Only one that you ever need to be concerned about. And it's a, it's a failure mentioned in this next verse right there. Hebrews 12, 15, it says, Be careful that no one fails to receive God's grace. That you do have to be careful of. I invite you to receive it right now. Let's close in prayer. Why don't you pray this prayer in your mind and say, dear God, I need your grace. I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm far from it. But I want to enjoy your unconditional love. Thank you for your grace. Today I put my trust in your grace today. And I ask you to make me part of your family. Make me your child, 
not because I deserve it, but because of your unconditional love. Help me to believe that you're for me and that you're not against me. Help me to let you handle the things in my life that I can't control, to relax and to cast my care and my anxiety on you. Lord, I know that from today, that just putting my faith in your grace is that that saves me. And so I do that. But I also ask that you'd help me to put my faith in your grace to live the life that you meant me to live. I thank you for the refreshing wind of your spirit that I sense. I come to you as one who has tried hard. Sometimes even warm myself out, Lord. Holy Spirit, today help me to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. To relax and to enjoy you forever. I pray that in your precious and special name.